Well, good morning. As they're uh, continuing with the offering there, uh, one, Stephen, as always, sir, it's just, I love being here with you. I really do. I uh, got so many things that kind of, as you were doing worship and then some of the word of faith, I think, that was given. I, uh, one, the guys out shooting last night, and it was just a great time. You ladies ought to be proud of these guys. Now, I'm going to plant a seed here at, uh, you know, it was interesting. Uh, I got to be very careful with this. Um, last night, so I told my wife that I was going to go shooting with the guys and that uh, Delisa and some of the ladies were going to take her to dinner. And she said, well, why don't you go to dinner with them and I'll go shooting with the guys. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Not that she didn't want to be with Delisa or the ladies, but uh, she would sure like to go shooting out there. Okay. So I, I've had several ladies kind of go, wow, when do we get to do that? Colonel, when do we get to do that for the ladies? Okay, um, I was just asking, it's just a question, I'm asking for a friend, okay? But, you know, one of the things and the reason that Billy and I started shooting, because we asked, you know, if there was something, she, I said, let's, you know, at this advanced age we're at, you know, we're both over 40 now, uh, I didn't say how far over, I just said we were over 40. I mean, that wasn't a lie. But the reality, and she was the one that said, you know, I think I'd like to start shooting. You know, and we had a range we would go to, and it's been some time since we just, course of events and so forth. But she's, she told me not too long ago, she says, I'm, I'm ready to go back, and we need to do that again. That was fun. Now, I will tell you guys from my own experience, when we would go shooting, generally it was a Thursday night, no matter what we did afterwards for food, it was always cheaper than not eating. Because when we didn't eat, we went shopping. So I'm just telling you now, take your wife shooting and take her to dinner afterwards, okay? It's just real simple, and it will cost you far less on that process, okay? So I am. I'm planting that seed for the guys, all right? Well, let me just say, I've probably done more than plant a seed. You need to figure out when you're going to let the ladies have a night and bring the weapons out, and let them shoot as well. Okay? Got it. All right, there you go. <laughs> now, um, the, the next thing is, we talked about, you know, I've seen you do it, and I'll see you do it again. And a great word that was given there. Um, I don't know if you really were obedient in that process. I mean, I don't know, and I have no way of knowing. God does. But as I was standing there, I will tell you what happened for me personally is just recently, a few months ago, we've had one grandson miraculously healed. And at, at a point when our son took him and thought maybe he would end up in a body cast or braces, and he walked out of the hospital completely released over a congenital issue that no one knows what causes it, what heals it, or anything in God's hands. And in generally, they wait till. The, the individual with this disease in the hip where it deteriorates so bad, they have to get into their 20s and then try to do a hip replacement. And uh, he's six years old, and two months ago, two and a half months ago, there at the hospital, the doctor brought up the x-rays and kind of had that I'm bewildered look and um, said he's totally healed. And here's the x-rays. And, and listen, and not that, you know, sometimes they say he's healed, but we'd like to see him in a year. None of that. He's healed. It's done. It's over. We have another grandson that's in a situation where he's been diagnosed. And so as that was said, I stood right there and held hands with my bride. And I, I just it just connected so much with my spirit that 
Yes, I have seen him move, and I am going to see him move again in the life of our other grandson, and he is going to be healed. And God is going to do that, and I believe that. So here's what we're going to do. just takes a second. Um, Sometimes you hear something, and then you sit there, and then you wait for the next thing to happen. But you don't respond to what God actually was saying to you. You know, it's like it's for somebody else, right? That wasn't for somebody else. That was for you. Every single person in here, if you're sitting here today, I will guarantee you that if you allow God to open your heart, you've seen God move in your life. And I will guarantee you this, some are sitting in here and you're doubting whether he will move again for you. I had a man tell me one time that he knew the faith, he knew that God was real, Jesus Christ died for, he went through the whole thing, and he believed that for anybody that was the best deal going. He just didn't believe God would do it for him. And in March of 1997, he believed God would do it for him, and he got down and accepted Christ for the first time in his life, and he'd been a member of three different churches, and that was my father. So I'm going to pause here. I'm just going to take 15 seconds, 20 seconds. I don't count well. And I'm just going to ask God to give you the confidence to know that he's going to do it again, and he's going to do it for you. But you've got to bring something to mind and to heart to know and get it clear. God, I need you to move in this area of my life. Got it? Just bow your heads. Father, we thank you, we love you, and we praise you. Father, I've seen you move miraculously in the life of our Aeneas, and I am praying and believing that you're going to move again in the life of our grandson Wheeler. I believe it. I know it to be true because I know I can count on you. For every person here, Father, I pray that you would bring to the eyes of their heart, their remembrance, their spirit, an area in which they may not be believing that you're going to move again. But they've seen you move before, but they need to see you move again. And I pray that you would bring that to their heart and spirit right now, this moment. And they would walk out of here this day, if they hear nothing else, holding on to that, that you're going to move again in their life. We thank you, Lord, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. That was one of many things that went on. I know we had a lot of prayers on the Roe v. Wade and so forth, and I'm not going to go back over that, but here's one thing that I will tell you. The Homeland Security has kind of alerted everybody that there's going to potentially be some pretty extreme violence. And we've actually seen pictures where, how they showed up, pallets of bricks strategically placed in front of the House of Representatives, other places. And we saw this during the whole eight months. We saw it in Denver and other places in this violence. And here's one of the things, and I, I love the, the show Blue Bloods with Tom Selleck. He's one of the guys like me that's aged so well. Um, <laughs> like if you're not having fun here today, that's your fault, not mine. Okay? All right? <laughs> and it's a gift to my wife to look this good, right? But... That's not funny. That part was real. Okay. <laughs> All right. But um, there was, there's a scene at Blue Bloods where they have four generations around the table. And there was a conversation and they began to kind of condemn or slam someone and talk about them. But I remember this statement from Tom Selleck. And he said this, let us not become what we condemn. I believe, and I've sat through this, the, the, this week in particular in the anticipation of what was happening, But this message keeps coming to me for every Christian and every church across America. These are very divisive times. 
very difficult times. We know in our heart what God has done. Yet, let us not become what we condemn. And I believe with all of my heart, the only way to overcome the divisiveness and the really hatred in that is to outlove them. So let us not become what we condemn there. And that's going to lead into some of the things that God's put on my heart for today. The last thing I'll say is out on our table, there's a table with some resources. You know I've been here before. I love this church. I love being here. And and um, yes, I have a Kentucky wife, and I love that part of her being able to come home and see her family and, and so forth. But the resources, it's the same as we always say. One, if there's a price there and that works for you, throw some money on the table. That works. Second thing is, if a lesser price works for you for whatever reason, whatever you put down, you can take whatever's there. Third thing is very simply, if today it's just inconvenient, you're welcome to take anything we have on the table. God has done that through the last 20 years for us, and we believe that's what God would have us do, and so forth. So just know that's true. We're family. So if it's just inconvenient, but there's something on our table, you let me know. If you're watching online, you go, boy, that's a good deal for them. I wish I was there. Um, you can go on a chosengeneration.org, and if there's a resource there that would help you, and you feel like it's just inconvenient for whatever, um, you'll send a note to Pastor Stephen here at Living Waters, or you send a note and just put it right on there. Don't order it. Just send a note. We'll send it out to you. That's what God would have us do. I want to talk to you today, and the, the subject here is living honorably. I, um, this is something that's been on my heart for a long time. And interestingly enough, when we talk about the intergenerational, and we talk about the younger generation, about a month ago, my pastor at my home church in Littleton, Colorado, he said, Chuck, he says, I would really like for you to speak on this subject. And I said, okay. Um, it was over Memorial Day. It was a perfect timing for that as we honor those that have given their life in combat and so forth and, and for our nation. But then the interesting thing happened. Our student leaders came and they said, we would like for you to speak. The young people would like for you to speak. And he said, but we've asked them the topics that they, unbeknownst to what the conversation I had had with the pastor, that message hadn't taken place yet. And he says, we asked them to give us a list of things that they would like to have someone talk to them about. And the number one thing on the list that the young students asked for was honor. They were hungry to learn about honor what it was, and so forth. And we had just a remarkable time. And I, and I will tell you, it was different. Normally they have a speaker and stands up and then they break out. And I, I was just praying about this and I literally sat at the front in their student, student ministries area and I had them all just gather in. And I said, I'm just going to talk to you as a dad and a granddad. That was it. And I watched the eyes and, and you could feel the emotion of these young people. And the reason I tell you that is, I believe that there's so much young people are looking to us older, well-aged. We've established that, right? But, but the older generation, because what they're not seeing in our nation, what they're not seeing from Christians, what they're not seeing from people that say they're followers, is honor. This, this idea that we honor one another in the process, and what does that look like? How do we live that out? How do they see that modeled for them? I'm going to skip over this next slide here, 
Like, you know, I forgot that it was there. You can reach me, Chuck Stecker, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, all of those. Okay, we're done with that. How cool. Okay? So, um, and I respond to those, by the way. <clears throat> Email me or whatever. Here's the big idea for me today, very simply. God created each of us to live honorable lives to bring honor to Him. That's how God created us. And that was that fellowship that God had with us that He created first Adam and Eve, okay, for fellowship. I, I love, you know, there's certain things in the Bible and you look at that and you go, oh man, do I wish I was there. Uh, that would have been so amazing. And that the, the verses that talk about God walking with Adam and Eve in the cool of the night as He walked through and just having that relationship, just to be there in His presence. You get that? You know, how was your day today? You know, it was really pretty good. I named several of the animals that you gave me. You know, you can just kind of imagine some of those conversations, or you can't. But that idea of that kind of fellowship with God, right, in such a way that not only do we honor God, but by His mere presence, He honors us. Did you ever think about that? It's just this idea that we honor God, but by God's mere presence and His promises that He keeps, the God that we can count on, He honors us. How incredible is that in our lives? That God would do so much just to honor us and for us to feel honored in the process. You know, there's some verses that help us with this. In John 12, 26, it says, Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. Now listen to this. What's he say? My Father will honor the one who serves me. And it comes back to this idea that sometimes it's hard for us to wrap our, our brains around this idea that so much about the word honor in the Bible is about God honoring us. Did you know that when you go through and you look at the number of times that the word is honor in there, the overwhelming majority to me jump out that God is talking about honoring us. It's not this slave master mentality. You owe this to me, this. But God has done all of this. He's taken the first steps to honor us before He ever required us to honor Him in a sense. Do you get that? And so that's in that there. But then He also tells us this in John five twenty two and 23. He says, Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son. Okay? That's Jesus sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty to judge what? The quick and the dead and so forth. Right? That all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. And whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent them. And it goes back to what Jesus was saying there, that in serving, my Father is going to honor those who serve, who live out their lives in an honorable way. So here's this idea. What does it mean to honor one another? And I know we can Google this. I know we can come up with Webster's Dictionaries and things. But this is to me. This is what it means for me to honor another person. To honor one another, we come into agreement with God regarding that person's identity, value, and calling. To honor one another, 
we're coming into an agreement with God. Now this changes the landscape for us a little bit. Or at least it does for me. Because when we talk about this idea of honoring, we always have to think first about, I I just can't do it. That person isn't worthy of honor. Do you have any idea what they've done to me? Do you have any idea what they actually believe about things that violate God's laws? And we go down through this whole liturgy of information about the individual of why we cannot honor them. When in fact to truly honor someone isn't about coming into an agreement with them, it's about coming to an agreement with God. This is where our Monday theology has to meet our Sunday morning teaching. Got it? Of how many we say, all men and women, all creation, right, comes only from God. God doesn't make any mistakes. It's not an accident. God didn't do this and then sit up and stand in heaven and go, oh my gosh, what's happening there? Wow, I didn't see that coming. Do you think God is shocked on any given morning by what He's seeing? That He didn't expect it, didn't see it coming, and it all comes as a surprise to Him? I just don't think so. And so when I talk about honoring somebody, this has become something that I've had to look at to say, I don't really like that person. I don't really like what they believe. But that's not really it, is it? That if we truly believe what God tells us in His Word, and listen, isn't this interesting? Maybe it's not. Christians have exploded on the internet about all the lives being saved. I don't disagree with that. Christians have exploded on there about the value of life and the importance of saving it. I don't disagree with that. Christians have exploded on the internet and all over about God created these lives and we cannot destroy them. That every one of these lives are in God's hands. I don't disagree with that. Should we not apply the same rules to the people we disagree with that have already been born? The same understanding of their identity, their value, their calling before God, whether they've realized it or not. Whether they're walking in a manner that we think God would approve. Whether living their life, living out their beliefs that we think are biblical values. And we, well, but if this baby has that kind of value, which I agree with, before God, Even the people that disagree with us, aren't they also created by God? Don't they also have value? Aren't they important to God? So when I talk about honoring somebody, I'm not talking about coming into an agreement with them. Frankly, there's some people out there, if that was honoring them, I don't know that I could get there. That would be what we say, a bridge too far, wouldn't it? The only way I know to honor the other person is if I'm agreeing with God about them and I'm not asked to agree with them. I know that may sound contradictory, but it really isn't, is it? If I agree with God about this person being created by God, being loved by God, that His Word says that none should perish, 
Agreeing with God then changes the landscape about honoring them, doesn't it? And so when I honor one another, let's just come back. To honor is really to agree with God. That's it. To honor any one of you means I have to start by agreeing with God about why you're here, about why you exist, why you're a person in this world just like I am. And then I've, I've, the identity, their value and calling. Identity we talk about is to know who you are and whose you are. Their value, the calling on their life. See, if we're going to bring this thing together, I don't want to diminish the importance of what has taken place in our nation in any way, diminish that. But what I do want to do is raise the issue that the only way we're going to come through this as a nation is not to put Supreme Court decisions in the middle of our world, but to put God in the middle of our world. Do I agree with the Supreme Court, their decision? Absolutely. Absolutely. It breaks my heart. And known families that wanted children and the process of adoption was just horrendous. And 60 million babies that have been lost in this process. It's just... It's just tragic. It breaks my heart. But I will also tell you this, and it was touched on. One of the statistics that I saw indicated that over 75% of abortions are not because the woman wants to get an abortion, it's because the man doesn't want to be a father. And she feels pushed and coerced into that. That's a real tragedy, isn't it? in that process. So we've got a lot of different things to look at. It's not just a what they call a medical procedure and so forth, but all of the dynamics in a fallen world and a hurting world that come together. And I would also say what an opportunity we have as God's children. If we choose to honor one another in the process, then we can work out our differences. The second part of this is, is when you look at it, as Hebrews says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Now, here's one of the, end, one of the things that years and years ago, and it was in goal-setting and establishing priorities, and the individual was teaching, says the first thing we have to do is we have to determine what are the obstacles. If there were no obstacles to the challenges that someone is facing, I listened very well last night, by the way, the challenges that they're facing, right, if there were no obstacles, well, they would have already accomplished it. So very often what we're looking at is what are the steps to accomplish a goal or what are the steps to be successful. What we're ignoring in the process is what are the obstacles that we have? Because we have to identify the obstacles in military. We either have to go through, over, around them, or blow it up. But something has to happen to that obstacle if we're going to be successful to move from this place to this place. Does that make sense? So God, knowing that, he told us, you know, we've got to cast off all of the sin, the hindrances. Some say encumbrance, everything. And now I know that Paul was writing about this in the early races, literally in running the marathon. <clears throat> and some of those, 
they would, they would actually strip down naked to run because everything that would catch wind, that would slow them down, that was the whole thing in, in that. So he uses that as an example for us, but he uses that as a truth in life, that whatever the obstacle is that's keeping you to get from where you're at to where you say you want to be, you have to address that right there. So when we talk about loving someone, whether we agree with them or not, and very often in the world we live in, we're running into a lot of people we don't agree with. And that process, what are the obstacles that were looked at? I'm going to give you three of them right here, because these are everything that hinders. And if as Christians, followers of Christ, as lovers of the Lord, who want to impact a hurting world, well, God speaks very clearly to some of these issues. And so if we look at this and we say, look, I'm okay with gossip and I'm okay with retaliation. They had, them, they had it coming, right? And this. But breaking those down, what I want to suggest to you today is that in my own life, these are some of the things that, that I struggle with. Gossip is when you talk about someone else and they're not present. You know, and that we can look at some definitions of it. It talks about, you know, a person who habitually. Now look at that first part. That's a habit, right? So it's a person who makes a habit of revealing personal or sensational facts about others. Another one goes on to say casual or unconstrained conversation. That's something we don't always say together, is it? This unconstrained conversation or reports about other people typically involving details that are not confirmed as being true. Well, I heard this. Well, I I heard this. Have you heard this part over here? And we pass this on. Now, I want to suggest to you, well, I can just say it outright. If you thought this church was perfect... When I started coming once a year, that took care of that part of it, trust me. Okay? So you just kind of, you know, brought it down a notch on that. None of us are. And it's something that we've got to guard against. This idea of time, and there are so many examples, and some of the worst ones are in the churches. And we've got to think about that. And you know, it's interesting, if we can't talk about the tough things on Sunday morning in a family environment... We're not going to deal with them on a Monday morning when it counts out there. You know, I love the sign that says, Your mission field begins now. And it says, You drive out of the parking lot. What this is about is, this is kind of the filling station where we refill our tanks. This is what prepares us for the next week. This is what gives us the energy and the insight and some wisdom perhaps to say, What do I need to do to deal with this situation out here? So, if we can't talk about things like, the church being a place where there may be some gossip, then we're ignoring the fact that the church is a place where we may have to deal with gossip. The next issue that we talk about here is this issue of retaliation. I don't know, but this is a real tough one for me because there's some people that just have a good whooping coming. Yeah, I'm not going to give you a list of names. We are limited in our time here, okay? Politicians, other people. I mean, there are some folks out there that just deserve a good whooping, don't they? I mean, I guess in Kentucky we talk about taking them to the woodshed. And not just for a quick trip, but we need to stay a long time with some of these folks, you know? 
They're not quick learners. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough one. Um, I wish I could tell you that I'm through all of that, that what you're seeing is a new man. I don't have these thoughts of seeing some of these clowns and really wanting to hurt them. Billy will tell you, and you can talk to her privately about this, that in the last 45 years, it'll be this year of marriage, you know, there's, there's three M's in our life. There's the military part, and I haven't completely left all of that. I think there's a reason God used that to train me. Don't try to get rid of it. It's there for a reason. Don't try to take it away from him. It's there for a reason. But there's the military, there's the ministry, and then I have this arching marriage over the top of it, which I think God gave me to help me navigate through some of this. And she said early on she was scared to death every time I spoke because she didn't know which M was going to come out. Rarely it was the marriage. It was either the military or the ministry. You know what I'm saying? Now, look, I still leak. You ever heard that term? We all leak. There's that stuff that comes out that's not of God, you know. And you, Yeah, I, I still have these moments from the, I guess you could say military, but some of it just deals with, there are some people out there that life would be a lot better if we just took them to the woodshed and hurt them clowns and see if they learned when they came out, and if not, take them back. You know what I mean? I know, it doesn't sound very Christian. That's the military part, and I'm still working on myself. And my wife's working on me too, but that's another issue, okay? That's why I, I have two small voices that speak to me. One is God, and one is my wife. And most of the time, they're both saying the same thing, and it really confuses me because I can't tell the voices apart then. But you let that one go. But it's this idea that this is about, this comes out of 1 Peter here. It's a letter, and he says, when he was reviled. In this scripture here, it's talking about Jesus. It's a very powerful scripture. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. But he continued entrusting himself to he to him, God, who always, I love that in the translation where it says, always judges justly. It talks about Jesus in this time frame that, you know, and he was hailed as the king and he rode in and the palms were put down and next thing he knows is they're saying, well, you can have this thief over here and this murderer, you know, we'll give him that one back or we'll give you this guy named Jesus who's done nothing and all the people cried out, give us Barabbas, you know, we'll, we'll take him instead of Jesus. That's how fast his life changed, right? Have you seen the passion of the Christ? You saw him carrying the cross and what was taking place. And, and many, many in Rome did not may, even make it to the cross. That the, the scourging, the beating, and everything that went with it, the carrying, they died before they got there. That's how severe, that's how, just unbelievable. And you know, you have, I said, you know, earlier, that part about walking with God in the cool of the evening and just, but there's, you know, you look at this with Jesus who had, fully God, fully man, and he was living fully man in the full pain there. God didn't take that away from him. But you know, as part of the trying, he could, with the wave of his hand, have wiped out legions. He could have taken everybody off the street and just knocked them back about three blocks. I know there's all of us, and we have those moments, boy, if I was God, we don't even know, want to know what would happen in my world if that was true, and it would not be pretty. But he had that capability, didn't he? He truly did. But instead, when he was reviled, they spit at him. They cursed at him. Everything you could imagine, you saw it. 
when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he didn't threaten anybody. But what he did, instead of retaliation, was he lived out the words that God has given us, that we can trust him, that he is in everything. And that's a tough one. The idea of retaliation, not retaliating. Of course, the third part of that is, you know, when we talk about being at the center of our world or is God at the center of our world, in Galatians it tells us this, 2.20, that we, this is the Apostle Paul writing a letter to the church, and he says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So this idea, and it's, saints, let me just tell you, it's a tough one, isn't it? I mean, for us to stand here, and I think sometimes we can listen to the Scripture, and as guys particularly, we can go, boy, on Sunday, that just sounds so easy. Wow, that really makes sense, doesn't it? And Monday morning comes, and it is just doggone difficult, isn't it? That the world we live in, and as guys, the provider, if we're doing that, you, you, we can go through all of these things. This idea of where we slowly drift back into the center of our universe, where we're the most important element of our universe, and all that goes with that is a day-by-day battle sometimes. The idea of putting Christ in the center of our life and saying it's no longer me who lives, but He who lives in me, it sounds so easy, it rolls so well off the tongue, doesn't it? But gosh, it's hard, isn't it? And the worst part about it is this slipping from Christ in the center of my world and I, I am here to serve Him and to live honorably, right? It feels so right on Sunday. It feels so right for me on Wednesday mornings when I'm with a small group of guys at our church. Or it feels so right when I'm in the right group of guys. Last night shooting, even though shot and the time at dinner and so on. It just feels so easy. It feels so right and it's so doggone difficult. Because in the midst of all of that in my humanist nature, I keep slipping into the center of my world. And sometimes it just happens so quickly and so quietly, I don't even realize till I'm talking or doing something that Christ is no longer in the center, but I'm self-centered, and it's about me and my world. And the whole universe is swirling around me. And it's just a tough one. So when we look at this, this idea of living honorably and so forth, one of the greatest indicators of our culture right now, healthy culture, is really seen in the manner that we honor one another. That's true as a nation. That's true in our families. That's true in this church. One of the greatest indicators that we've got right now of a healthy culture in this church can be seen when people come in that have never been here before and they just observe how we honor one another. And whether that was last night at the shooting range, it's no different there than it should be here. Whether it's when the guys open up the range so the women can go shoot. I didn't say if, I said when. Can I get a witness? Come on. Did you hear that, all you guys? They want to do this. Somebody needs to make that happen. Not anybody in particular. Pastor, Colonel, other. I'm not naming names. I'm just throwing out some examples here. But the manner in which we treat each other on Monday and Tuesday, the manner that we treat each other when we're not in church and not with church folks in a sense. You know what I mean? 
is the greatest indicator, right? The greatest indicator there is how we honor one another. Now remember, let's go back. What does this honoring mean? Okay? This honoring means this. To honor one another, what we're saying is, the culture of honor is where the individuals are coming into an agreement with God. That's all I'm asking you to do. Wait a minute, that's all I'm asking me to do. You've got to work this one out for yourself. I've got enough on my hands. But I'm asking myself, and throwing this out, that what it really means is for the culture of this church, for the culture of this community, and all that goes with that, it's about coming into an agreement with God about somebody else's identity, right? Their value and their calling. That's where our Sunday theology has to ma- match how we live our life on Monday. And that's what takes place. So what's the big idea, really, since? Simply this. God created each of us to live honorable lives that bring honor to Him. And when we put it all together, to bring honor to Him means, are you willing to come into an agreement with Him, acknowledging who He is, right? Are you willing to come into an agreement with Him about everybody else that lives in your world? Because if you're not, you're not going to really truly be able to honor, are you? And yet the culture here in this church, in your family, in this community is really going to be determined by how well we honor one another. Just that simple. I, um, I really believe that this was kind of a message for me. I was saying last night to one of the guys, unless I'm, or if it, unless I'm speaking to myself and it's something that I'm dealing with, then it's probably not going to make much sense with, with you. You know, it might just be a nice book and you could read Mark Twain, Tom, you know, Tom Sawyer or whatever and get the same thing out of it if it doesn't resonate with me, if it's just words flowing. This is something here that when I was asked to speak on it, I had to examine myself. And I asked that God give us the strength to live honorably and bring honor to Him. That's all I'm asking. And I'm asking for it for myself because in the world that we live in right now, I just got a lot of work to do with me. Maybe you all have got this thing perfect and it's no big deal. I got a lot of work to do with me. And that's maybe the biggest message for today. Is you just pray for Chuck. You may not need it, but Chuck sure needs a lot of help in this area. To live a life that brings God honor. To live honorably so that I can honor Him. Let's pray. Well, Father, we thank you, we love you, and we praise you. We come as your sons and daughters, Father, on this Sunday to say, get us ready for Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. Don't let us run out of gas on Thursday or Friday or Saturday. But, Father, I pray right now, if there's anything said here today that's of you, that regardless of the words that were spoken or in the manner in which it was said, that you, Father, through the power of the Holy Spirit, would connect to the Spirit of each and every one of us. Father, as I prepared for this, and a lot of work to do with me. A lot of work to do with me. I ask, Father, that you would work in all of us. And, Father, have your way. Just have your way. 
I pray your blessings over this church, this church family, my friends that are here, my brothers and sisters, over the leadership of this church. I pray you'll bless them. Give them favor. And be with us all, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's family said, Amen.